0: Are here for you, Lord. Speak to our hearts, oh God. Let the entrance of your words bring light and understanding unto us in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. So, last two weeks, we started the series The Glorious Church. We did part one last two weeks, so we did part two last week, and we have been able to establish what the church is very, very insightful, I mean, um, words from the word of God about what the church is. And last week we learned about how Jesus says he will establish his church. And it's very, very important for us to understand this. Otherwise, you'll be playing church and not really understand why God brought us together. And it's it's very easy for us to play church, to be going I mean, out and coming in and, you know, be involved in all of these things and miss out on every single thing that God had in his mind for bringing us together as a church. And so let me just do a quick recap of what I said last week. That Jesus made four important statements and we looked at two last week. The first one he said was, I also, I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And we understood that that the church originates from Jesus. When Jesus says, I will build my church, it means that what? It originates from him. It comes from him. And because it comes from him, we are not going to run with our vision, but we are going to run with his vision. That because he is the founder of his church, we are going with the blueprint that he has for his church. And the blueprint for his church is right there in the scriptures. How church is supposed to be organized is guided by the word of God. So anything that that does not follow what is written in scripture is not the blueprint that Jesus wants us to run with. The moment you enter into a place that is called church and what they are doing is not in line with that which has been written in scripture, you should know that you are not in a place that is running with the vision of Jesus. The The other understanding of this is that Jesus knows what to do to make his church established. And last week I said that, look... Forget about all the things that are happening and all the things. The church has been in existence for 2,000 plus years. So this is not the first time we have seen the church going up and down and moving in, in circles and, and things being corrupt. I mean, it's happened over and over and over again. And yesterday, I was privileged to meet one Reverend minister that I I respect so much, who is doing his PhD, and he was sharing some things about church history with me, and it's just almost as if like God wanted me to meet him, so he would he would just share that with me, and he was running me through the history of the church, how that the church was established in Jerusalem, but God wanted the church to go out of Jerusalem, so persecution began. But by the time the persecution began and the church was moving out of Jerusalem, they had already started preaching in places like Antioch. So God knows how to move His church. God knows how to establish His church. So by the time the church was being scattered in Jerusalem, they had already started establishing in other places. They ran there. Then the church moved into um, Asia Minor, where we have um, the seven churches in, in, in present-day Turkey and other places. Then the church moved into northern part of Africa. For those of you who don't know, the church actually moved into Africa before it went, went into Europe proper. So those who say that the white man brought Christianity to Africa, they, they don't understand what they say because they don't even know history. That this Bible that was put together, the 66 books, was actually done in northern part of Africa, in Egypt. And so, you, you've you got to understand that that God knows how to build his church. So, by the time Europe was messing up, God had moved the church to Africa. And now the church is so vibrant in Africa, across the globe, and in Southern America. And, and we don't know how God is going to move it again. But the beautiful thing is that whenever the devil seems to be fighting against the church and messing up the church in a particular region, God would already have gone ahead of him and moved the church. So, the Europeans thought they were, bringing, they were bringing us into slavery and colonialism, but they didn't know that God was using it as a tool to move the church into Africa so that you can carry the touch of the church. So, the church will never die. There's never going to come a time where the church will be dead. As a matter of fact, I'm of a firm conviction that God is about to cause a major revival in these times before Jesus comes. So I'm of a firm conviction. And so when he says, I'll build my church, it means that he knows how to bring the right people, the right factors, the right environment, the right timing together to ensure the growth and establishment of his church. So you are here for such a time as this. And when you find yourself in a local assembly, God brought you there for such a time as this. Now, Jesus went on to say, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And we understood that the moment the church is established, it is an indication of warfare. The enemy wants to fight. Oh, yeah, but there's something beautiful about God. That God says that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. No matter how much they fight, God gives us strength that is superior than the the strength of the enemy. Like yesterday night I was was here, I've been been praying for the church for some time now. And yesterday night I was here and I I, I was, I think, almost around 12. Shalom, I spoke to you around 12, yeah, around 12. So I went to lie down and then whilst I was lying down, because, because I'd already prayed some prayers. I prayed some prayers with my wife, and then I, I was already getting into Zanzu. I laid down, and then all of a sudden, I could feel some, some physical being, like, standing, like, like touching my body. So, in, it was like, you are asleep, you are not asleep, sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, someone, a female voice began to speak to me. Prayer will break through prayer. So, it was like, whatever thing, or whatever people, or whoever they are, Wanted to strangle me, and then this lady started speaking to me in the dream. So I I all of a sudden got up and began to speak in the language of the spirit and began to speak, and all of a sudden I just felt like that heaviness in the room, whatever had come into the office, like I scattered. And then I said, Yeah, that's it. When Jesus says that the gates of heaven shall not prevail, they shall not prevail. Like we know that when we stand to pray, they will fight, they will come in different forms, they will come in different ways, but they will not prevail. They will not stand because the church of God is founded on the authority of the blood of Jesus and no weapon formed against us will prosper. Hallelujah. And so I want us to go back to our key scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bajona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ hallelujah and so the next two statements that Jesus made was one I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the second statement he made was, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Now this is, this passage, this particular passage is one of the, there are passages in scripture that are very easy to understand. I mean, almost every commentary and theologian agrees on the thing. But there are some passages in scripture where there are disagreements as to who was Jesus talking to. Was Jesus referring to Peter? In fact, as I read commentary upon commentary upon commentary upon commentary, I, I, I was like, how did the, comment, uh, what, the Bible theologians miss out on what Jesus was saying? Because almost, I mean, almost all of them seem to be pointing to the fact that Jesus said that he's giving the keys to Peter. He's giving the keys of the kingdom to Peter and that when he gives it to Peter, it means that Peter was the one going to open the door for people to come into the kingdom. And there are passages that are cited like Acts chapter 2 where Peter was the one who got up and preached and then the Jews came to know, know Jesus. And then they cite Acts chapter 10 where Peter went to the house of Cornelius and then he was the one who preached. So, so there are interpretations that Jesus said he was giving the keys to Peter, but I beg to differ. Because I'm studying the scripture and trying to study it in context and measuring it to other passages and it doesn't make sense that Jesus would give the keys of heaven to only Peter. That, so then Peter is the one who has the authority to decide whether you come into the kingdom or not. Now Peter is dead and gone. So if he's, Peter is dead and gone, then he's gone with the keys. No, no please you get me. That, then it means that that, that that the rest of us, I mean, like, I, do, I don't know how to put it. No one can come into the kingdom again because the keys have been given to Peter. But you read another passage in Matthew 18 and Jesus was now addressing the whole body of disciples and he was telling them again, I'll give you, he says, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when you are studying the scriptures, first of all, you have to see who is Jesus, who is the, who is the, the message being addressed to. So yes, we know that Peter and the disciples were the ones there. But we also know that any time Jesus spoke to them personally, he was not just speaking to them, he was speaking to the entire church. Otherwise, Matthew chapter 6, where he says, um, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. It was one disciple who asked, according to Luke chapter 11, teach us to pray. And Jesus began to say, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. Then we can also limit that and say that Jesus was only talking to the disciples to pray the Lord's prayer, our Father. So I, upon the authority of Scripture, and that, this, this, this has been my battle because one of the things I'm very careful to do is to make sure that I don't feed you with something that is not what the Scripture is saying. So you can imagine the battle I've had before coming here. But looking at the Scripture very well, Jesus was not just speaking to Peter because Jesus had established a premise. And the premise is that I will build my church. And so now he says that I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven to which people? To you, the church. Peter, of course, is, 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 is the one that Jesus was going to use to start to open the church. No wonder he had to start, but he had to start with one key. That key was a different key than the keys that other people would use for different things. That, and today as we go on, you realize that God has given us different keys. So, Peter had to use the key of the preaching of the gospel to open the door for people to come into the kingdom. That does not mean that Peter had all the keys just for himself. Please, I hope you, you. I'm taking my time to establish this because you might hear it somewhere else, and the person will say, No wonder the Catholic Church erred and, and Peter was made the first pope. And from that time, it's like, If you are not the pope, you are not the embodiment of. Because you see, it's very easy to err when the scripture is not saying what you, what you want it to say. So now, Jesus uses the word keys. So after laying this foundation, I hope we are clear. Jesus uses the word keys very intentionally because of what he was going to usher us into as a church. Now, keys represent a number of things. And I'm going to give you three of the things that keys represent. One, keys stand for access. Keys stand for Access. So when you have the keys of a particular place, it is indicative that you have access to the place and you have access to every door in the space. It means that you have the right to enter everywhere. So when I say that you have the keys of this building, it means that I'm not just giving you the keys to enter the building. I've given you the keys of this building so that every single space, every single door in this building, I have I've handed over the key to you so you can what? Have access into the space. So that's the very first thing. I want to explain this and then I'll link it to what Jesus was saying. So keys stand for what? Access. It means that you have a right to the place, to make use of the place or to take advantage of the space. So when Jesus talks about keys, he's giving us the right to make use of a place or of something. The second thing that keys stand for is that keys stand for authority. Now, when I give you the keys to a place, it means that you have the power or the right to decide who comes in or not. Now, all of you can tell me that you have the freedom to walk in and out of this place. But assuming I gave the key to Andrew, and I told Andrew, lock that door. You You can have the freedom whatsoever, but when you get there, because the door is locked, you can't go out. So now, what I've done is that I've given what? Authority to decide who comes in and who goes out. So when Jesus talks about keys, he's talking about authority that allows you to control the openings in your life what comes in and what goes out. The third understanding of keys is that keys stand for permission. Keys stand for permission. When you give the keys of a place to someone, it means that you have you have the approval to use the place. If someone is, is giving a key, it means you have what? The approval. So for instance. The the church keys or the keys for this place is not just given to anyone. But assuming I gave it to you or you asked me, Pastor Yuma, oh, I want to come and pray in the church. And I gave you the keys. What I have done is I have given you permission to use the space. So you are riding on my authorization to use the space. In case someone else comes and asks, how did you get here? Pastor Yuma gave me the keys. I have given you what? Permission to use the place. So when Jesus says that I will give you the keys, it means that the access, the authority and the permission is only derived from Jesus says, I will give you the keys. And you know what? As we go on, we are going to understand why he's giving us the keys. Because as you go through life, you're going to face many circumstances. You're going to face many challenges. You're going to face many hard times. You're going to go through different things. And sometimes you might be tempted to think that the solution is from elsewhere. But Jesus says that he is the only one that can give the keys. I will give the keys. The keys are not found in any man. The keys are not found in any person. The keys are not even found in any local church. The keys are only found in Jesus Christ. He is the one that gives the keys. So he says, I will give the keys. Now, look look at something. Jesus qualifies the keys and he calls them the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'm trying to help you to understand this. Now, you have to that Jesus not say that I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. The statements are different. If I say I will give you the keys to the kingdom, it means that I'll give you entry into the kingdom. But if I say I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, it means that I'm not only giving you entry to the kingdom, I'm actually letting you access everything that is within the kingdom. So he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. It's very, very important to understand the passage. It means that in the kingdom, there are dimensions and there are spaces and there are levels of what God wants to accomplish and there are keys to every one of those dimensions and levels. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to access those things in the kingdom. Some of you some of you are not getting it. After I finished this message, I realized that, hey God, I, I, I need to revise my notes. I need, I need to get my life back. Because if he says that there are keys of the kingdom, I can imagine how many I have taken and how many are, are left that I have, not, I have not taken, that I have not accessed. It's just like this room, this place. I can give you the keys of this place, but it would amaze you that you might only end up coming into this space, only into this space. Meanwhile, there are many other rooms. So you might have the keys... But access is very important. So he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And when he talks about the keys of the kingdom, he's saying that he will allow us to have access into the entirety of the kingdom of God and to be able to exercise the authority in the kingdom. Now, so what are these keys that Jesus is talking about? The keys of the kingdom of heaven refer to the operational principles of the kingdom of heaven that we can use here on earth to gain access into all that God has for us and to exercise authority that comes with being in the kingdom. Let me repeat it. The keys of the kingdom refer to the operational principles. And when when I talk about the operational principles, I'm going to explain to you. operational principles that allow for you to use here on this earth so that you can gain access into everything that God has for you. And so you can use the authority that God has given to you. So let me try to explain operational uh, principles. Okay. Now, um, the kingdom of God is a broad domain. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's, it's the domain within which God rules. And it's a very, very broad domain. But when the Bible uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven, sometimes he uses it interchangeably with the kingdom of God. But sometimes he's also referring to the place of operation from where God works. So God can work anywhere. God cannot be limited. But his place of operation is from the heavens or the third heavens where where Paul said he went. And so there is a governing principle concerning everything that must happen here. And it is established in heaven. So he says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So in heaven, it is established that this and that and that and that will lead to this and that and that. That's how God has set it. Now, what he wants us to do is that he wants to see the very things that are established in heaven here in our lives on this earth. So he says, when you pray, say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. So the will is already established in heaven, but it must be done on this earth. But for it to be done on this earth, God has not set it in automation. It's not automatic. For it to be done here on this earth, you've got to be able to access a particular principle that unlocks what is in heaven so that when you access that principle, heaven will release what you are desiring here on this earth. Please, how are you getting? Let me try and take my time to... So, for instance, when we go to Mame's workplace, you have what we call your, let me use the same term, operational principles. When you get to the job, you know what you have to do. Immediately you get there. There is a procedure. And you take that procedure to be able to govern how you work. The moment you miss one step, what you are doing is that you are violating a principle so you don't get the results you are supposed to get. Assuming someone comes for an eye test, you know what to do, A, B, C, D. The doctor knows what to do. And then you... Now, what's uh, prescribe what you have to prescribe. Assuming the person comes for the eye test and all you do is that you look at the person's eye like this. Oh, okay. I think you can't see well. <laughs> Let's give you a glass. What, do you know what you have done? You have violated the operational principle. So, by the time you are giving prescription to the person, you will be given a wrong prescription because you did not use the method that is supposed to analyze and see what the exact problem is and you know what he says that in the kingdom it is the same thing It is not one key. There are many keys. You've got to be able to identify the key that unlocks wealth. You've got to be able to identify the key that unlocks health. You have to be able to identify the key that unlocks favor. You have to be able to identify the key that unlocks honor. You have to be able to identify the key that unlocks spiritual dominance. You have to be able to identify the key that unlocks wisdom. You have to be able to identify the key that unlocks um, understanding. Every one of these things that you are desire in life, there are keys to them. So he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. How many times you have desired for something and we have always desired for it and we have always prayed for it but we've never had it. Why? Because you are using the wrong key to access the right door. And for us, in our Christian work, what we have done is that we have taken prayer as the master key. Everything that we desire of God, everything that we desire to see in our lives, we think that prayer must be the master key. No, do you know what prayer does? Prayer allows you to position yourself well, but prayer is not the master key to open every door. Because you can pray all your way in life and still remain poor. Because you are not using the right key to unlock the wealth. I have seen people who, can, who are prayerful and they don't have honor or they don't have favor because there is a key that unlocks favor. And it is not prayer that unlocks. There is a part of prayer that unlocks favor. But it's not just prayer that unlocks favor. There is a key that unlocks favor. And that key is called honor. You know, when I honor Ike, whether he likes it or not, some way, somehow I have obtained favor with him. And that is why, you see, it's very, very important for us to understand this. Because if you don't understand this, you might be using the wrong key, and you might be opening the, the, a certain door and be frustrated. And I like to use this example, like my, my darling now, when we are in the old place, she would take my car key and try to open the locker in the office. And she's so frustrated opening it. But she, because in her mind, this is key. This is lock. Key. Lock. Key should open lock, but she doesn't understand that it's not every key that is meant for every lock. So she's frustrated using the car key to open the lock, and, and she can be there for as long as she is there without help. She'll be so frustrated eternally. And that is what a lot of us believers. So Jesus says, I'll give you the keys because what I am about to usher on this earth is the establishment of the kingdom on this earth and that I need you to have the right keys to unlock the right doors. So right now, as your pastor, what I've decided, I've started searching for knowledge for areas of my life that I realized that, Jack, I've not found a key or either I have found a key, but I don't know because like the other day, Nadia didn't just have the car key, she had the locker key. But She couldn't know how to insert it because sometimes you might even have the right key, but you need someone to help you to unlock. So I started searching for knowledge and I started searching for understanding because I want to unlock everything that God has desired and purpose for me in this life. Remember, he says that he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. But you see, the truth is that he says through the knowledge of him who has called us. So it means that it is, he has given it to you, but it, it's going to come through something, through the knowledge. So I want to ask you the question, which category do you belong to? Because are, in the kingdom, there are four people, four categories of people as far as this issue of keys is concerned. One, there are those who are ignorant about the keys. They don't know that there are keys to unlock different things in life. Because of the way possibly they were raised, their minds are skewed in one direction, and all they think is that everything must be done by prayer. Are you getting it and so they are ignorant that they are keys and sometimes we make it you know how many of you have been angry with God before you don't right just just feel free I mean you're a human being you've been angry with God before yeah and and you feel that like God has failed you and feel like God has not answered you you feel like God has not God why why what is happening sometimes it, it's not an issue of God and I've always said this God is not the problem <laughs> Sometimes the problem is the fact that you've not found the key. And God says, I have given. You see, if I give it to you, I have given it to you. I, I'm, no, I'm no longer holding it. No, Andrews, I've given this to you. Now, Andrews, ask me for I you a tablet. I, I have given the tablet to you. Yes, you have it. So God, he has given us the key. But what we are doing is that we are crying again to him for the very thing that he has given to us to access the things that he wants for us. May God help us. I pray today that the Lord will show mercy. One prayer I prayed this morning, I said, Lord, show me mercy. Because you see, sometimes you might miss the key. You only need mercy to help you to identify the key. Oh yes, I'm telling you. Sometimes you miss you miss it completely because of the mental blocks you have in your mind. So tell the Lord, show me mercy. So that I can. Because some of you, if we start talking about some of the things that, oh, this one that is not spiritual, meanwhile, it I mean, meanwhile, meanwhile, you are struggling. But it's not spiritual. If I come today and I tell you that, look, God wants you to be a multimillionaire. Oh, Pastor, you're not being spiritual. Want to know the Lord. I preach about knowing the Lord like nobody's business. And I want you to know the Lord first class. That should be your topmost priority. But I also believe that this is an empowerment that God has given to his people. I believe that God wants to give us favor. God wants to give us honor. God wants to cause us to break through in different realms and different levels. We have to use the keys. So there are those who are ignorant. The second category of people are those who who know but have not identified the right keys to the right doors. They know that they are keys, but they have not identified them. It's one thing knowing, it's another thing identifying the keys. You can know that I have keys, but you can walk all your life, I am the head and not the tail, I am the beginning and not the end. (laughs) No, no, you, you, can, you can say all the things that you want to say, but the truth is the fact that if you, you, you can know, but you might not have identified the keys because there's a way to identify the keys. The third category of people are those who have identified the right keys, but they haven't used them. There are some who have also discovered the right keys. They come, they hear the word of God. They know that this is what I'm supposed to do, but they have not done it. And then the fourth category of people are those who have identified the right keys and they have used the right keys to gain access into the purposes of God concerning their lives. I want to ask you, which category do you belong to? Are you the ignorant one? Are you the one who knows but has not identified the keys? Are you the one who has identified the keys but you are not using it? Or are you the one who has... Identified, and you are using the keys to access the things that God has. Look, a year from now, if you are still the same in whatever area of your life that you are struggling with, you are the only one to blame yourself for. Because as your pastor, I am leading the forefront. I a year, what's today's date? Today is 4th September. 4th September 2023. If Jesus Christ hasn't come. You should be able to look at me and I should be able to look at you and we should say, hey, how did we get here? Amen. How did we get Amen. here? We are going to find the keys. So, so God will the next year, my, I'm, I'm trusting God, unless God is leading me also, but I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on the keys of the kingdom. That's going to be like possibly my series for the year. Because I want, I want God to use me to help you to unlock every area of your life. Every area. I want to see a people here that are so like established in God. So blessed. Doing well spiritually. Doing well materially. Doing well financially. Doing well socially. Doing well in every area of their lives. Because you have identified the keys. And the keys are helping you. And so... Let me just, even though I'm going to do the series, let me just give you a run through. Prayer is a key that opens the door to spiritual dominance. If you want to dominate spiritually, prayer is the key. Fasting is a key that opens the door of discernment. If you want to be able to discern, if you are eating and eating and eating, you can't discern anything. Your spirit has to be sharp enough to be able to pick what is happening. And fasting is a key. The fear of the Lord is a key that opens the door of wisdom. The effective study of the word is a key that opens the door to godly knowledge. If you want godly knowledge, you have to go. There's no shortcut. The word. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is a key to open the door of understanding. Honor is a key that opens the door of favor. Uh, Giving is a key that opens the door of abundance. Diligence is a key that opens the door to influence. Faith is a key that opens the door of the impossibilities. Love is a key that opens the door of future security. You know, when you love people now, what you are doing is that you are building your future security. (laughs) Because there will be a time that you might lose what you have. So Jesus said that, that, and I'm paraphrasing, that that, that you have to use the physical mammon to, um, I don't want to, wrote the scripture out. But what in essence was saying is that at this time, when you have the wealth, use it to create the relationships that you need. By helping the people, because there will be a time that you might not have but because of the love that you have given now, you will be the beneficiary. So you, it's like future security for you. Love is that key. Patience is a key that opens the door of beauty because when you have prayed and prayed and done the will of God, you need patience so that in its time he makes all things beautiful. If you are not patient, you truncate the process and you destroy the beautiful thing that God. So patience is a key. That key, it opens the door of beauty. Humility is a key that opens the door to elevation. If you want to be elevated, you need humility, service is a key that opens the door to honor there are some people who say they sell so well, sell so beautifully all the time you want to honor them you ought to do something nice for them you you, you just want to be there for them And, and so these are keys and there are many more keys so you got to identify what you are looking for and find the key that opens that door Recently, I've been listening to a message by one man of God. I mean, I love so much. And, and he's talking about favor. And I like, I said, God, I need to find the keys to open more favor. Like, like the springs of favor, they have to come. They have to come. And I need to get those keys. And one of the things he said as a key to favor is value addition. When you add value to yourself, it opens the door for favor. I pray that God would help us. To be able to find the right keys to open the right doors. So let me just try to, to, to end up, um, go to the last statement and then we end. So in the kingdom, we have been given the keys. But in this kingdom, you have to identify the right key to the right door. And in this kingdom, you have to use the right key in the right door. That is the only way we dominate in this kingdom. So let's look at the last statement that Jesus made. He says, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, those who limited the keys to Peter um, made this erroneous statement. And I I was surprised over how many commentaries. And they said that what Jesus meant was that he was giving the keys to Peter so that whoever... um, it's like whatever Peter decides on this earth, that is what heaven agrees. Oh, God, how could how could how, how how is it that a man that even said Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, the next moment he was telling him that do not go to the cross, do not die. Jesus said to him, Satan, get thee behind me. How could such a man be entrusted with such an authority to decide what happens on this earth? And then heaven says, We agree. But when he says that I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. What he's saying is that, look, this last statement is premised on the previous one. That if you have the keys and you use the right keys, then whatever you bind on this earth, heaven will also bind. And whatever you lose on this earth, heaven will also bind lose. Because heaven only, rec- you put this one down, heaven only recognizes heaven only responds to what it recognizes. Heaven does what? Only responds to what it recognizes. How many of you have tried using an Android charger in a, a what's the other one? iPhone. Or the recent one type C. Even though there are charges, type C phone will not pick your Android charger because it can't recognize it. So you might have the charger but it can't charge because it can't recognize it. Heaven is only going to respond to what it recognizes. So anytime you come before God and you are praying and say, Father, do this and that for me, are, heaven is looking out for the key you are holding. That's why a lot of us are praying and we are not seeing the results. How many of you have prayed for years and you have not seen the results? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because heaven is looking for the key. Like, like what is the key you have brought? You, you want to enter the kitchen. You are holding the whole key. And you say, Lord, help me to enter. He says, it doesn't work that way. I can't, I can't allow. You have the access. If you if you use the right key, there the, the door will be open for you. We permit and we respond. But we can't do any magic here. A lot of us want God to do magic. How this message is going for us? Because it's going for me. So it says that. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So if you don't use the right keys, whatever you bind on earth will not be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will not be losing in heaven. And you know the interesting thing about binding and losing? When we talk about binding and losing in our Christian faith, oh, we are thinking about some demon somewhere. And we are thinking about some human being somewhere. But he says whatsoever. It's very important to take note of what he's saying. Whatsoever you bind, on earth, shall be bound in heaven. Not whosoever. Please, I want you to take note of it. Whatsoever. So let's look at what the word bind means. Ah, The word bind from the Greek is is the Greek word dio. In fact, those times the Hebrews used to use this term bind and loose. And and they talk about forbidding and allowing. So the, the Greek word bind... Um, the, the word bind is from the Greek word deal, which means to tie or fasting with chains. It means to throw into chains. It means that to put under obligation. Let me just try to give all that, then I explain. It means to forbid, to prohibit, to declare to be illegal. So when Jesus says that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what he's saying is that whatever you forbid on this earth, or whatever you prohibit on this earth, or whatever you declare to be illegal on this earth, shall also be declared as illegal in heaven, as long as you're having the right keys. So what he's saying is that you look at your life, and then you see that, ah, There is too much poverty in my life. There is too much poverty in my family. It is running to my life. And God says that as long as you have the key of giving and you have the key of diligence, you have already gained access into what will bring wealth. So now you can stand by those keys and declare that poverty is illegal in your life and heaven will respond to that because you are holding the right keys and heaven will back it and give it to you. So he says, whatever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. As long as you're having the keys, it shall be bound in heaven. So you are praying against poverty, but you are not working hard. You are pre- praying against poverty, but you don't give, because he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. In fact, once I was preparing, I said, Lord, I'm not going to find a lot of poor people to give to. Even if it is five minutes, five CDs, I want to give to them. I want to lend to the poor. Because if I want to break the cycle of luck in my life, then I've got to have the right key. And once I have the right key, I cannot declare that luck is illegal in my life. And so, God, you have to respond. There are many things in our lives that are not allowed. There are many things in our lives that are illegal. So if there's a chronic sickness in your life, you need a key called faith. That means that you need to go in, because faith is only generated from the scriptures. The revelation that comes on the word of God. So you have to go to the scriptures, find scriptures on healing, meditate on them until revelation comes to you. When light comes to you, now you can speak to that sickness and tell it, go. And it will go, because it will respond to faith. It is illegal in your life. You realize that you do so much. You do so much for people, but there is no favor. There's no favor. This favor is illegal in your life. But sometimes you might be doing so much, but it's not just because you are, you are doing so much that people have to favor you. No, no, no. Sometimes, like I'm, I'm learning from the man of God, one of the things is that you are not adding value to what you are doing. You are doing it, but you are not adding value. So you are missing a key. And that key is value addition. Do you know why a lot of us can go to the same place and there are about four people selling, but we only go and buy from one? Have you asked yourself the question? It's not because the person has gone for juju. But you can see four people selling plantain by the roadside, and one is using tongues to remove the plantain. And then when she removes it, she's smiling. and says, oh, you're welcome. Even when you don't want to buy it, oh, Cobra, go and come another day. Do you know what she's doing? She's buying favor. She's using the right. But you, you have always frowned. Ah, your people cannot buy things. Go, go, go. Do you know what you are doing? You are buying disfavor. So what is happening is that you are praying to God for favor, but you are not using the right key. Because the right key is the fact that you have to add value to yourself. So when people come, just by your smile, sometimes I go to some place, I don't really want to buy the thing. But the way the person will like, oh, oh, it's oh, you don't want, oh, don't worry. You can even get some from another. So the way they go about it, all of a sudden. Favor begins to, it's like favor is dispensed towards that particular person. And you want to buy something by force because of what favor? So once you are praying, you've got to do what is necessary so that you can access favor. Then now you can say that this favor is illegal in my life. I disallow it. Then heaven will also say I permit it. Because God is not coming to bless a frown face. God is not going to let people come and buy for you. When, you. when people pass by, you're you insulting everyone. You're fighting with everyone. No, 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 no. It's not going to happen. You can't have favor when you are disrespecting an adult or someone in authority and so nowadays I'm so sad because when I go to social media people who have not achieved anything in life they see someone who has achieved so much maybe the person has made one mistake but but you small boy you haven't achieved anything you insult the person from head to toe do you know what you are doing you are buying disfavor instead of favor one day you'll be praying so hard you'll go to the interview room and the person you were insulting the one who is interview is the uncle of oh come on or the nephew of that person and the person says ah I I saw something on social media. I think the name looks like yours. Let me check again. And before you realize, what you have done is that instead of disallowing this favor out of your life, you have allowed it into your life. So no matter the fasting and prayers, favor shall not come. So there are keys of the kingdom. Diligence is one. So God, I, I don't like the pattern of things in my life. But you can't be sleeping nine hours. When everyone that you are trying to run with are sleeping for four hours and five hours. You see, when you pray, prayer gives you a spiritual advantage. But prayer does not work it all out. So, whilst you are praying, you need to be working at it. Once you are working at it, then heaven will say we respond to your diligence. And so now we will give you speed so that what you are behind, now you can go faster. Because you are diligent, you can go faster. I pray that as we learn these things, it will change. Because from now, what will happen is that when you identify these keys, your prayers are going to be more effective. That is why I believe that even the four Fridays of the supernatural, because you will discover keys, you will pray more effectively. We will see more results. We see more effective results. So he says, whatever you bind on this earth shall be bound in heaven. Today you want you, you would declare and say anything illegal in your life must go. And you pray that first. But when you pray that and you move out of this place, tell God, God, give me the wisdom to identify the key so that I can cast that thing out of my life. It must not be there. It can't be there. It shouldn't be there. Then the final thing he says that whatsoever you lose on this earth shall be lost in heaven. The word lose in the Greek is, is a very interesting word. That means to unbind. So the first one, you are binding. The second one, he says, you unbind. You release something that is tight. You discharge from prison. You undo or you dismiss or you break up. What you do is that you deprive the thing of authority. But you do it by an act. You do it by a precept. You do it by a law. So look at what he's saying. It means to overthrow. So when you say that you are losing something, what you are doing is that the binding is that there is something in your life that is not of God. It has to go. Right? The losing is that there is something that is of God that belongs to you, but it is not with you. It is in the wrong place. It is with an enemy. It is with someone else. And it says that whatever you lose on this earth shall be losing heaven. In other words, what belongs to you that the enemy has stolen or someone has taken, you've got to be able to stand in the place of a law, a spiritual principle, and declare that this thing belongs to me. It no, no, no. It's in the wrong place. It has to come to me. Again, you can't do that just by prayer. Prayer is going to be authority signature. But what you do by the key will determine how you release that thing from that person to you. Some of us, your contracts are in the hand of someone. They're in the hand of someone. But you know what is going to unlock that contract? Because you, you feel so proud. Oh, me. Oh, if they, like, they should take themselves. Who are they? Who are they? But you've forgotten that God uses men to favor things, to favor people. You know, God, God can... decree. I've, I've read some passages recently. I, I mean, I heard them from some men of God, but I studied the passages and I realized God can declare a thing, but there must be a man to receive that declaration or that decree, and the man must act on that decree. So if even God is impressing it on the heart of the man, and by virtue of the fact that you are not applying the right principle, the man, let's say, for instance, you go to the man's office, uh, Charlie, some, sometimes, I mean, some of my the, the young people, the youth, they'll send me a message, like, you, you, you even say, Pastor Yima, how are you doing? How are you? Now, the moment you say, how are you? Like, because I play with you, you want to say, how are you? But at that moment, possibly I'm in a place of, of dispensing favor. But because you have not learned the value of honor, you miss up. So God is declaring that the man should do the thing, but you are not in the place for the man to do the thing. So the man is receiving the instruction, but he's not dispensing the favor towards you. So the Bible says that Jesus, he increased in wisdom and in stature and with favor with God and with man, even Jesus. So he says that whatever you lose on this, side, there are things that, look, there are things that are yours that are in the wrong places. And you've got to be able to lose them. Sometimes what is going to lose them is prayer, really, because you have done everything you know to do, and but you are, you are not praying you have done everything physical that you know to do, but you are not praying, so that thing is still locked there, because sometimes it's going to take a spiritual authority to declare something, to let that thing be released so God, I have done everything, I have done my business, I have done everything I am diligent, I am hardworking. I have added value, but I am not seeing what I am supposed to see, you've got to rise up instead of sleeping in the night and and, and snoring, you've got to rise up and say no, this thing is an error if I have done everything, I must get this thing released, and when you begin to declare decree and declare in the realm of the spirit everything that is holding whatsoever that belongs to you. Because of the authority of the scriptures, they'll release it to you. They'll release it to you. They'll release it to you. It to you. So today, you will pray and tell God and tell the enemy that I'm taking back what belongs to me. Some of the things that were taken from you, they were taken from you even before you were born. Because someone else went into covenant on your behalf. But when you come into Christ, you have to stand on that superior principle that there's a new blood. I am in a new lineage. And by virtue of being in this new lineage, I'm not part of this covenant again. That one, you have to stand in the authority of the name of Jesus. And by that blood, decree and declare that you are not part of that if you are walking around oh i am a new creation i am a new boy. Uh, you walk around you, you you just walk around you, you know you walk around the, the enemy is just happy that you are walking around but when you stand in authority and you declare no the devil knows the devil knows so what is it in your life that what is it that is not in your life that you know that is supposed to come into your life what is it that you know it should come to you? Anytime they have to promote someone in the workplace, instead of it coming to you, they pass it on to someone. But you are the most hardworking person in the you you should tell yourself it's an error. And you should stand in the authority of the name of Jesus, knowing that you have the right key and say, Now, the promo, this time the promo will not pass over me. It will come to me. It will come to me. Like I told you, me. I am wild now. After studying these things, I've decided that look, I don't want to pity myself and I don't want to go into heaven and then realize that, ah, Jack, Charlie, this one belonged to me, oh, that one belonged to me, oh, this one belongs to me. I get to heaven and they say, oh, Charlie, this is a spiritual giant. But, but on earth, I suffer for nothing. You know, some, some sufferings are not, in God. Some of the sufferings, they are not from God. No, there are sufferings that are from God, but there are some sufferings they are not from God. Don't take those ones. You you take the ones that God wants to give you, but don't take the ones that are not from Him. Oh, it's all for the kingdom's sake. No, no, no. Some of them, is not for the kingdom's sake. So may God help us. Let me summarize. So what Jesus is telling us is that there are things that God has purposed for us. And if you want those things to be released into your life, you have to have the keys to release them. And what Jesus is saying, that there are things in your life that are not of God. You have to have the right keys. Some of us, there are some addictions in your life. You are trying to deal with the addictions in the wrong way, but you need the right key to break out of that addiction. He says, it is not of God. You've got to find the key to let that thing go out of your life. So what do you do from here? Four important things to do. Number one, ask God to help you to identify the right keys to the right doors. You have to ask God to help you. Oh yeah, we are helpless without him. Tell him to help you to identify the right keys to the right... You know you can be looking... We can all be looking at the same thing and seeing different things. We, we can all be looking at the same thing, but we are seeing different things. We can all be looking at the same key, but I, when I see the key, I know this key is for something. But you can look at it, oh, this key. What is it? Is it's something else. So ask God to help you to identify the right keys. As you come into the scripture, and that takes me the second to the second point, effectively study the scriptures to know the principles of the kingdom. Because the more you study the scriptures, the more you get to know what the kingdom of God is. Is requiring from you. That's why you see. I we we used to talk about this: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. You know, we have a very skewed interpretation of that scripture. As I'm studying this, I realize that ah, Jesus was right. Really, that's actually the whole thing. Seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Because when he says seek first, he's not just talking about seek to enter into the kingdom first. Seek to be under the domain of the kingdom. That means be under the rule of the kingdom where the principles are working. If you seek that first, all these things shall be added to you. All these things shall be added to you. So God, what is it? Show me. Study the scriptures. Find out. Number three, get well balanced kingdom materials. Such as audio messages, video messages, books, articles from people who have been able to use these keys to advance their lives. Maybe sometimes some of the things that you are, something that you are looking for in your life, I have not yet taught it. It doesn't mean that oh, it's only Pastor Iman I listen to. No, 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 no. Go search for, and I use the word balanced. Look for people who are balanced in the world, who have identified keys that have helped them to dominate in certain areas. I might not have taught it. Or I might even have taught it, but you can get another perspective because the Holy Spirit gives us different angles to the same thing. And then you gain more light. And then at the end of the day, you are doing well. Audio messages, video messages, instead of, instead of watching TikTok dances and all of that, no, feed yourself with light. And let the light help you to get to where God wants you to be. Read books that will enlighten you to know the keys of the kingdom. Read articles that will enlighten you. You know one thing I realize, sometimes you say read and people are like, oh, I I feel lazy to Meanwhile, have you realized that when you, when you accumulate the readings you do in the day on social media, you would have ended up reading one chapter of a book, oh. Or when you accumulate the watchings that you watch on social media in the day, you realize you would have watched one whole message, oh. So so you've got to recalculate. I you see and, and, and like that, that's why I say you've got to learn. Because from one man of God, he said that the currency of destiny is time. So if you're allowing the time to just go and just go wasting it, you are what you are doing, you are wasting away your destiny. So use it to learn. Then the final thing is that consciously apply these principles in every area of your life. Apply the principles in the area of your life that is needed. If it is your health, if it is your finance, if it is your spiritual life, if it is your social life, it is your marriage life, whatever, all the principles are in the word of God. Yeah, you got to find it. Got to apply it. Sometimes some, someone says, say, oh, me, I don't think I'll ever have a nice marriage. The principle is in the scripture. Nice marriage is in the scripture. The principle to obtain nice marriage is in the scripture. Everything, every area of our lives is right there. But you have to learn to apply them. Because the Bible says that the one who hears the word and does not do it, James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25, is like one who looks in the mirror and after he leaves the mirror, he forgets how he looks like. How many of you have looked in the mirror, you walked out of the mirror, you, you forgot how you look? Because when you look in the mirror, the reason why you're looking in the mirror is to see whether um, everything is all right. Now, when you look in the mirror and things are not all right, what you do is that you go and correct the things that are not all right so you can move out. But when you look in the mirror you get, get away from the mirror immediately and you forget how you look like, how Oh, maybe there was something here, there was something here. You, you walk out just like that, so there is no change. And the Bible says that anyone who hears the word and does not do it, it's like the one who looks in the mirror and forgets how he looks. So there is no change. So you are hearing the word, but there is no change. There is no active working with the word in your life. I pray that today's message has challenged you to not be satisfied with where you are and to not be satisfied with what is happening in your life and to decide and determine that, look, I am moving this level to the next level. In whatever area of my life, the keys have been given, I have to identify them and I have to use them.